Hi everyone, welcome to the second installment, but first real episode of Of Saints and Sorrow. Confession before I begin, when I was telling my wife about the format that I was going to employ for Of Saints and Sorrow, how I wanted to do one episode that was an introduction followed by five real episodes, she said, Glebe, don't do that, that's weird, just do episodes one, two, three, four, and five. And she was right, so... Brittany, you were right. I should have listened to you. I'm sorry, but here we are. We are just going to roll with it. Nothing we can do about it now. Um, (laughs) So yeah, this episode is all about the gospel. What is the gospel? And how does it affect our lives on a daily basis? The reason why I wanted to talk about this is because in the midst of 2020, the craziest year of all crazy years, We've been seeing a lot of people, a lot of Christians who have perhaps for the first time, at least publicly, started to engage themselves in the work of justice. They've started to try and educate themselves on systemic oppression. They've started taking stands on it. They've started organizing all this stuff. But then also in response to that, we've seen some fairly high profile um, leaders come out in opposition to this activism this organizing and say hey just preach the gospel don't advocate on behalf of the historically disenfranchised just stick with the gospel and that's going to take care of everything and so I thought this would be a good time to explore what it means to what the gospel is what actually is it we are Christians we use this word all the time but is it exactly what we think it is or is it a whole lot more and hopefully in the next few minutes or so um, we'll come to some sense of clarity um, some of you are going to disagree with me that's fine some of you will have more questions that's fine and if you for the bonus sixth episode if that happens if you uh, if you have any questions if you have any pushback send an email to of saints and sorrow at gmail.com and um, yeah we'll talk about that in episode six So as I was looking into gospel, what the gospel means, um, I found some really interesting things that I thought would be good to share with you. I was I was I was doing a bit of research, um, listening to N.T. Wright. He's great if you've never listened to him. And he, he gave some really interesting perspective on, first of all, the Hebrew Bible's version of the word gospel. And he talks about it in Isaiah chapter 40 and Isaiah chapter 52. For my American friends, that's Isaiah. Um, and when he talks about it, what he's saying is in the context of the story. And let me, let me address that now. So when N.T. Wright, one thing that he says is that when we're looking at the meaning of a word, it's not necessarily that we should always just look at the etymology of the word. He places a high emphasis on understanding the narrative and the context in which the word is found. And so when you look at the narrative of Isaiah 40 and 52, when he looks at the word gospel, what it's essentially saying is there is very specific good news. And in the context of the story, the good news is that Yahweh is coming back to Israel after abandoning, after abandoning them. He has overthrown Babylon that has, kept, that has kept them captive. He is releasing them from bondage. And he's coming back as their king to rule and reign. And um, for a more New Testament perspective on this, I 
I really, really want to recommend my friend Stephen Backhouse's um, in-depth Bible study on Mark. So he has a website, www.tenttheology.com, tenttheology.com, and you can find it on there. It's really good. It's wonderful. I can't recommend it hard enough. And when he talks about the gospel, he's essentially saying that when Jesus' contemporaries heard the word gospel, what it meant to them was that the rightful king has broken the siege and come to rule and reign. So, you know, N.T. and Stephen are saying essentially the same thing. It's about the king coming to rule and reign to overthrow the powers that have, that have been there before, that have been holding people in bondage, and to establish his way of doing things. And it's actually really interesting because in Mark, in pretty much the, in the first chapter of Mark, that some of the first words we say Jesus saying are repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. Essentially change your way of thinking because the kingdom of heaven is within reach. And so what does it mean for, um, what does the gospel mean in that context? Does it mean that it's about, it's about, a transactional sinner's prayer. And by the way, for those of you who don't know already, the sinner's prayer isn't biblical. But is it is it about a transactional sinner's prayer and leaving it there, focusing on getting people saved because that's gonna that's gonna fix everything? Or is there is there more to it? Um you know, I'm personally of the opinion that there is much more to it. And as a charismatic and I do still ref- I, I do still refer to myself as a charismatic. You know, I'm, I belong to a charismatic church. I believe that I'm charismatic in my theology. As a charismatic, we've I believe we've actually done a lot to go against the idea that the gospel is just about getting saved and being earmarked for heaven. You know, we place a high emphasis here at Bethel on healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, seeing the kingdom of God come to earth and manifest itself in our midst. And that emphasis on the, re- the, the readiness of the kingdom of heaven to make itself known has been an absolute life changer for me. I can say with all honesty that without the teaching that came out of this house, without a strong community who believed the same thing back in Manchester in England, I would not be where I am today. But it seems as though for some reason that some people find it difficult to go beyond that. They think, okay, the gospel is getting saved, yes. It's about healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing the lepers, yes. But when it comes to pursuing justice, when it comes to advocating on behalf of those who have been historically disenfranchised, for some reason that's, that idea seems to rub people the wrong way and they think that, and if we were to spend too much time doing that, we'd be losing our way and not focusing on the gospel. Um, when I think about the ministry of Jesus and what it what it did and what it accomplished, I think of it in two ways. I think I think that Jesus Jesus' work on the cross restored right relationship between God and mankind. And it also restored right relationship between mankind and mankind. Interestingly enough for me, from that perspective, when I look at Adam and Eve, we see the story of of mankind breaking relationship with God and hiding from God in the midst of the mess that they'd created. 
And then we see their children breaking relationship with each other. Well, Cain breaking relationship, creating enmity between brother and brother. And in that context, when I look at Jesus, when I look at the New Testament, when I look at the writings of Paul and the work of the gospel, we see that when Jesus was on the earth, as far as I'm concerned, yes, he did heal the sick, he did raise the dead, he did cleanse the leper. But I think one thing that we often don't look at, that we don't appreciate, is the restorative element of what Jesus was doing. It wasn't just a physical act when he was raising the dead. He was restoring children to their parents. He was restoring a brother to his sisters. When he, uh, when he, was, when he was casting out demons, he was putting people back in the rightful place in the midst of their community. It's not just a physical thing for me. I think that the gospel is about restoring right relationship and demonstrating the, the nature of God in the, in the process. And so for me, when people talk about just preach the gospel, I think, I think, well, yes, to me, this is actually an outworking of the gospel. And this episode isn't going to be particularly long, but we, we are nearing the end. But I wanted to I wanted to look through a few passages of scripture, and there are so many that that I could pick, um, but I, I wanted to start with a few passages from Matthew and kind of take it from there. So Matthew seven verses twenty one to twenty three for me has been a passage that I call my anchor text. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me centered, and it stops me from going off into the weeds and thinking that I'm something that I'm not. So in that passage, we hear Jesus saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so as a, as a charismatic Christian, we see these people who are coming to the Lord and saying, look at the stuff we have done. We have done all the stuff that gained us notoriety amongst our BSSM peers. We have done all the stuff that have gained us a really, really good following on Instagram. We have done all the stuff that has loudly and proudly displayed your power. And in response to them, Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then in the same book, in Matthew 23, we see Jesus pronouncing several woes upon the scribes and the Pharisees. But in verses 23 and 24 of Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so what's interesting to me about this particular scripture is that, you know, if you if you were to go to most church services, you would hear more time spent on tithing than on justice. You know, and it often feels as though to be someone who's concerned with the works of justice is to be put down and and, and to be called pejoratively, oh, well, you're just a social justice warrior. Um, and here we see Jesus saying, listen, you perform, you know, you tithe so much, you go down to the very minute details of mint and dill and cumin. And somehow in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of these religious acts, you have neglected justice, mercy and faithfulness. 
You know, yes, the tithing is good. You should have done it. But how on earth have you done that without paying attention to justice, mercy, and faithfulness? And then he gives this hilarious picture. He's like, you've strained out the gnat. You know, and imagine you're eating a soup that has a camel in it. And you complain to the waiter that there's a gnat, a little tiny bug in it. We're somehow forgetting that the camel isn't there's a camel sitting in your soup and you swallow that thing whole without complaint. This is essentially what Jesus is saying. And he's saying it about justice. He says it about mercy and about faithfulness, but he, he says it about justice. And then in Matthew twenty five, this is a longer passage. I'm going from verses thirty one to forty. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and the angels and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. And to me, that that passage is mind-blowing in the context of the time that we find ourselves in. You know, we see the king returning in his glory, seating on, sit, seated on his throne, and he's separating essentially good from bad. And what is it that makes the good good? They gave people who were hungry food. They gave thirsty people water. They welcomed in strangers, immigrants, if you want, if you want to put it like that. They provided for they they provided for the physical needs of the people who were in front of them. Jesus, the King, in this moment, in His glory, isn't saying, "Oh, you uh, you performed all these spiritual acts. You went to church. You prayed for the sick." you did this, you did that. He was saying, hey, there were people in front of you who had physical needs. And as you ministered to those people, their physical needs, you did that to me. And so for me, when people say just preach the gospel, I th- and, when, when, and when they mean that, when they say, when, they, when by that they, they're saying, hey, just focus on getting people saved, I think to myself, wow, you are going directly against the words of Jesus as far as I'm concerned. Because feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and all that is is ministering to Jesus. That is part of the gospel. That is part of manifesting the rule and reign of Jesus on this earth. Um, I love what James has to say about this. In James chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Religion that our God, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And what's interesting about the fact that this is being said by James is that, you know, if you look at Galatians, um, Paul, he mentions the fact, he mentions James by name and says that, oh, he was one of the pillars. He was one of the influential ones. And then 
even more so Josephus, who was a who was an ancient historian, and he's he's someone who helps really fill out our understanding of the way Christians operated in in the world uh, in their contemporary world. Josephus actually mentions James by name and says he seems to be someone who carried a lot of authority, and so we have this tremendously authoritative writer, um, this this authoritative apostle who says, "Hey, this is what religion looks like. That this is what this is what God finds acceptable, is to look after the um, the destitute, the needy, those who have no one to to speak on their behalf. When they're in distress, that is religion to me." And again, to me, this strikes right at the heart of what the gospel is. I mean, yes, there is the submission to Jesus. Yes, there is following him who is the way, the truth, and the light. But I think that when people say, just preach the gospel and avoid activism, devoid the works of justice, I think that they're missing out on, they're giving you a truncated version of the gospel. They're not giving you the full gospel. And I think no one brings this home harder for me than Amos. Um, if you if you'd like a really good resource on this, watch the Bible Projects video on Amos. It is so good and so powerful. And if ever one of the minor prophets was speaking to our time in history right now, it's Amos. And a little bit of context now is that Amos was speaking to an Israel that had a king who made them rich, who had a lot of military might. But in, in the midst of all that, they were neglecting the poor, they were neglecting the, the needy, and they were not taking issues of justice seriously. And here's the Lord speaking to the Israelites. He says, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-living stream. And in the video they talk about what righteousness and justice are. And again, watch the video for this in more detail, but to put it, to put it really, really shortly, righteousness, according to Amos, is treating people as though they were the image of God. Justice is a mostly rest restorative word and is to advocate on behalf of the others. And so to go back to Amos, you see, G you see, Amos, you see the Lord, <laughs> sorry, you see the Lord saying, listen, I hate all of the religious activities you're doing. I hate your offering. I hate your, you know, I hate your solemn assemblies. I hate your church services. I hate the sound of your complicated and complex worship services. What I'm interested in is you treating people as though they are the image of God. And I, what I care about is you advocating on behalf of others. We're in a moment where, for whatever reason, and we could spend 50 episodes on this what together, there are people in this nation who are not being treated as though they are the image of God. And because of that, we are seeing a lot of people, perhaps for the first time, advocating on behalf of others. And in response to that, some are saying, do not get involved in that, just preach the gospel. Could it be that as many people are kind of clamoring to get back to church in the midst of lockdown, that we, the church, are missing the, you know, we want to go to church, but we're not actually concerned with being the church. 
and could it be as that as people are telling us as I've said to just stick to the gospel they're actually missing it altogether as far as I'm concerned uh, I think the gospel is about God wanting to manifest his rule and reign in every single sphere of society that exists that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of our God and so when I think about the gospel I think it extends to feeding the hungry I think it extends to clothing the naked I think it extends to advocating on behalf of the voiceless I think it extends to meeting the physical needs of those around me I think that's the fullness of the gospel and I think that I think that anyone who tells you other side, otherwise is, uh, is, is selling you short. But if you disagree with me or if you have more questions, that's fine with me. Like I said, send an email to saintsandsorrow.com. But I just want to bless you all to, to be present with those who are in pain, to stand up on behalf of those who've been bent, who've been bent over by oppression, and to preach the gospel, the whole gospel, not just the gospel of religious activity and complex worship services. And with that, I'll say goodbye and see you next time.